Hi, I'm with Dr. Brian Artis, and he's uh, coming back to discuss all the updates that he's learned about all the cobra venoms and other toxins that are uh, seemingly being found in bodies. And uh, so we're going to be talking about that. And I also have a bunch of questions for Dr. Artis. So uh, hopefully you'll enjoy this program. And uh, welcome, Dr. Artis. <laughs> it's great to see you again. Thank you yeah. for having me on. And, and wherever you're sitting, that mountain view and the horse back there is beautiful. Yeah, that's where I wish I was instead of where I am right now. So this is my imagination of my world. I am really thrilled to be able to speak to you again because there's so much happened since the last time we spoke. And uh, I did watch one of your videos where you updated, like, it's not just actually cobra venom and cray venom, but it's all kinds of other creatures. So what is going on? Why are they doing all of this? Yeah, it's pretty miraculous. Uh so I don't know where we left off in our last uh, interview that we did. I've done many, many interviews, yeah. but the interview you're talking about right now is in relationship to my showing the world, this research study that came out of Italy in, in June of 2020, actually. Yeah. So six months into the pandemic. So this is really the narrative. So January of 2020 is basically the first month in which it's declared there's this new coronavirus pandemic, January of 2020. And it started supposedly with some pick, sick people in Wuhan, China. When the Chinese research people looked at the antibodies in the blood of these sick people with this pneumonia, respiratory-looking virus symptoms, what they found was is the antibodies were directly targeting the venom of two snakes in these people's bodies. And they said the origin of this illness must be from snakes. And the two snakes antibodies that the bodies were making inside these people sick with this new COVID thing uh, were actually identified as King Cobra venom antibodies and Chinese crate snake venom antibodies. So that's where they first discovered that this is actually a venom based infection or illness. And then four months. But how would that even have gotten there, even with that study alone? Like, where did they think that that came from? Yeah, at that time, it was being proposed all over the world in January 2020 that this was a bat virus. Yeah. So what they were saying it initially was in the media, not in the research study, in the media, they were saying that this must have went from snakes to bats and then bats gave it to humans because if the source is snakes somehow snakes must have coughed on bats and then bats either got eaten or coughed on by bats to humans right this is what they were proposing which is crazy because the chinese researchers in january of 2020 said the codon usage bias which means in genetic terms the origin of the gene of this virus is actually from snakes. It's from venom. So that's what they were saying. The genetic material is the origin comes from snake venom. Then four months later, in April of 2020, French researchers isolated just the spike protein on the outside of SARS-CoV-2. So there's no virus they're looking at, just these little spikes on the outside of it. And they ran the gene sequence of those little bitty spike proteins and they found and published that the gene sequence was identical to chinese king cobra venom and chinese crate snake venom Crazy. and the, that's what they found is that 
this virus is wrapped with snake venom on the outside of it. It's a that's what they propose. But that can only be man-made. It cannot happen in nature. There's no way you can have any viral naturally that would encode venom, and that so it has to be man-made in some laboratory, right? Exactly right. So now you've got. Chinese doctors in China in January of 2020 who have confirmed that these people have snake venom inside of them. And then in April of 2020, four months later, another country, France, their geneticists run the spike protein's gene sequence for SARS-CoV-2 virus. And supposedly the spike protein is what's causing all the infection and deteriorating disease processes of COVID. The only thing making people really sick is the spike protein. Those geneticists, not Dr. Artis, those geneticists said and published that the spike protein is identical to two snakes' venoms, king cobra venom, peptides, little bitty short sequences of proteins, and crate venom snake proteins. So that's what they said. Not me. That's what they published. And then two months later, another country called Italy decides, hey, we're hearing these rumors out of China and France that geneticists have isolated that venom and snakes are the source of COVID. Well, let's go all around COVID or all around Italy, sorry, and PCR test everybody who's sick. And let's find out if the people who test positive for COVID-19 with PCR tests and are sick with symptoms, let's take blood, urine, and fecal matter, poop samples from them, and let's run their body tissues looking for venom. This is what they did. And then they said, let's also go to those same multiple cities around Italy and let's PCR test people who aren't sick. And let's see if they have any blood, urine, or feces venoms in them, even though they're negative for COVID and they're not sick. Okay. So they wanted to just do an analysis, compare the two, those positive with COVID and are sick, those who test negative for COVID and are not sick. Let's run their blood, urine, and feces, and let's just see how many animal venom show up, if any. A lot. Yeah. This is in June of 2020. What they found wasn't two venoms. They found a total of 36 different venoms yeah, that's from, 20, from 20 different snakes and from 16 different marine shell creatures in the ocean's venoms in the blood and in the poop of every COVID-19 positive patient, and they found zero animal venoms in the negative COVID-19 group. Zero. None in their blood, urine, or feces, only in the sick people. They found 36 Uh, different venoms. So what I was going to ask was that uh, I did read that study with all these different, and I looked up the animals. They're all over the world. It's not like it's just one region, let's just say Wuhan. It's actually from Australia, California, every part of the world you can think of. They gathered all these animals and somehow put them. And they, what I don't understand, even in the scientific, you know, let them give them what they want to say. Do they actually think that all of these animals somehow created this viral thing and it's airborne enough <laughs> that it would infect all these people? Is that what they're trying to tell us? Uh, that's what they want to convince you. Yeah. So it's pretty ridiculous because it's almost absurd. Inside this Italy study, they are only testing people in June of 2020 and May of 2020 in Italy. And yeah. they found Korean snakes venoms in Italy patients. And they found Uruguay coral snake venom 
in the COVID-19 positive patients, oh. blood and feces. None of those people have been to Uruguay, I'm sure. None of them have been bitten by a Uruguay coral snake in South America. It's almost absurd. So they got Chinese spitting cobra. I mean, all these Italy people. When did they get spit on by a spitting king cobra? Exactly. I mean, there were so that's many. one of them. Yeah, the, the spitting viper thing. So <laughs> what are they doing? Like, I don't, I mean, at this point, I think it's well known now. And I think you did a great job. And this is why I wanted you back on is because out of all of the doctors, and I, I've heard a lot of their theories, you were spot on exactly what is the bioweapon going on right now. I, am. Yep. I don't think you get enough credit from uh, you know, outside of the circle that we know that, my gosh, you just discovered all, you made all these connections. We know now that all of this stuff exists in there, but yet still there isn't a momentum enough to saying, look, you just got poisoned with all these venoms. What's going on? You know? Yeah. So would you like me to do some, uh, I would like to do some screen sharing. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Um, do you know how to enable that? I think I just, I did do that early on. So you could try. Great. Great. Okay. <clears throat> so, let me just ask you a question. If you had a child who had the measles, okay? The measles doesn't kill anybody. It just causes a rash on the outside of your body. It's uncomfortable for a little while. Measles does not kill anyone ever. All right. But if your child has measles, let's say it's a really little kid, like six months old in a crib. Would you, as the mom, would you believe if a medical doctor told you that you should put a scorpion in their crib and let the scorpion sting them to help them cure yeah. them of measles? Would you do that? Heck no. But what if a medical doctor in a white coat told you that? Well, apparently they're listening to them. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, what if What if you said, I'm not putting a scorpion in there with my kid. It could kill them because yeah. it could. And then what if the medical doctor said to you, okay, well, if you don't want to use the scorpion, we have scorpion venom in a syringe that we call a vaccine for measles, and we can just inject your baby with that. Would you do well, it? I wouldn't, because <laughs> I don't think we should be mixing all of these animals and human things together. No, but it's absurd. It absurd. is. It's absurd. So here, here's the question, though. Like all of this, I looked up when I, you know, was looking at the snake research stuff. Apparently, they've been doing it a lot uh, for a very long time, trying to come up I, with therapeutics and all of that. Why? I was shocked at how long they've been doing this for. Why yeah. are we looking for venoms to be a solution to viral infections? I just didn't know that when I said in the Watch the Water documentary, I said, the people who've created these COVID-19 mRNA shots, their names are Drew Wiseman and Catalina Carrico. In their research studies at the University of Pennsylvania to make these shots since 2009, yeah. they, dis they state in their research studies that they use snake venom components. The words snake venom is in the research studies to do mRNA gene editing therapy. They yeah. use snake venom, phosphodiesterase, and RNAs. Why? Why are we even thinking this might be a theory? It's in their recipe. So this is what made me go look to see what are they doing with snake venom components to address a viral infection like SARS-CoV-2? Why? Why are they doing yeah. this? It is disgusting how much science, research, and money is being funded by our government and by pharmaceutical drug companies to manufacture drugs 
and vaccines for viruses from snake venom, scorpion yeah. venom, snake, uh, sorry, spider venom, bee venom, and then oh. marine shellfish creatures like cone snails in the ocean. They're making drugs from that, which is a hundred times more lethal to humans than King Cobra venom. But they've yeah, been doing this for 50 years. Like oh, cancer therapy. It's not even just viral stuff. They want to yes. put this in all drugs. Exactly right. So exactly that's right. why it's so scary to me that one, they think it's therapeutic. Okay. They might, you know, even if you give them a little bit that it has some, any value in it. But the fact that they spend so much like research and funding trying to gather as all the venoms in the world and put them as our medicine. So when I look at that snake and the staff, I'm like, okay, they probably spiritually had this all along. Um, but one of the questions that I was going to ask you what you, when you mentioned Carico, um, so the reason they say in their literature they used it uh, to figure out the grading of mRNA, like it doesn't degrade. What the heck is all of that about? <laughs> yeah, so this is very interesting. So mRNA is is basically instructing, it's this little genetic material that they say they can give to cells that can draw it in and then have instructions to produce something. So they want to instruct your DNA and your cells to manufacture something. When we come with the mRNA COVID-19 shots, it's actually to produce what they call the spike protein. They want your cells making the virus spike proteins. Well, the spike proteins were identified in France to be venom of King Cobra venom and a deadly snake called the crate snake venom. So why would we want to instruct your body to make venom? Venom doesn't, I don't know anybody who thinks injecting King Cobra venom into the body is therapeutic or beneficial. I have never met a human who ever had an illness because of a deficiency in venom, but this is what they're going to start proposing. So mRNA instruction is give the body instruction to manufacture something in the world of science research and drug development. They call this genetic engineering. That's the term genetic engineering. How can we get bacteria? How can we get yeast? How can we get mammals to make venom when they don't do it on their own already? So they already have the ability at large scale to manufacture synthetic venoms from every creature on the planet in Petri dishes and labs around the world. They've been doing this for 50, 60, 70, maybe 100 years. They take bacteria called E. coli put it in a Petri dish, and then they put the mRNA of snake venom into it, and then the bacteria suck it in and then start manufacturing synthetic venom. And they don't stop. They just keep making it and making it and making it. They genetically engineered E. coli to make venom. So instead of, instead of a snake making venom, they also do it with yeast, and they do it with mammal cells in factories, which you, my friend, are a mammal. Every person who's gotten these shots is a mammal and they all have cells inside of them, but you can go online right now and order any synthetic snake venom or scorpion venom or snail venom to be manufactured and put in a bottle made in yeast. You get to pick from home, which one, which, what substance do you want to make your venom? You can pick bacteria, yeast, or mammal cells to manufacture your synthetic venom. And then they put it in a bottle and ship it to you for thousands of dollars. There's tons of these around the world. And I've been showing this one after another that every venom peptide 
found in that Italy study, 36 different venoms. You can actually go online right now and order every single protein by name, number, catalog number that was found in the COVID-19 patients in Italy. You can order them online and have them shipped to you. Yeah, except we're too dumb to figure out how to do it, but they figured it out. So do you think all of these... uh, so, I, you know, the very first time we spoke, you talked about that they might have actually put the snake mRNA enzyme into, you know what. So, is it possible that it's replicating, um, like, at time release, it could be months, could be days, whenever, and that when that venom is released, and that's what could be causing all the sudden deaths that I watched, like, thousands of those videos now. And they all seem to be like enjoying their life seconds before and then whatever happens. So do you think it's a possibility? Absolutely. The mRNA instruction to make venom is a delayed reaction. It's going to be very slow for mammals. Mammals aren't designed to make venom. So when they give you the instruction, there is an unusual stability of mRNA and snake venom that doesn't exist for any other mRNA extracted from any other source on the planet. This is one of the things I first started talking about was first, you can actually look up the study right now. It's titled unusual stability of mRNA from snake venom and read that study. They found that mRNA, which typically when they try to do mRNA research with human mRNA and RNA, it degrades. It's very temperature sensitive, even to the air, into humidity, yeah. into ch- t- changes in temperature. However, in age, in time, it just degrades it. Well, uh, snake venom mRNA, they figured out in 2012, was just as biologically active and stable 38 years later after being stored in a jar full of venom. Yeah, I think they I were able that. to confirm using PCR tests. This is one thing people need to understand. PCR tests were designed to identify genetic material. That's it. And it has been exclusively used in snake venom research for the last 20 years. That's the test to identify venom peptides. This is why they forced the world to use PCR tests to confirm COVID because COVID was venom. So if they are swabbing in your mouth or in your nose looking for venom, it's going to show up positive on a PCR test. That's what PCR tests are designed to do. Look I was wondering for venom. So I also wonder, because they were looking for specific genetic material with all those tests. So were they thinking that it is actually viral, that people have caught it through the air, this whatever? Or was it in the vac? that got injected because why do the PCR test before it, it was even delivered into injection form? Yep. They, they knew that they had weaponized venom to yeah. cause COVID symptoms, either in the air, or in the water. I still propose they're doing it in the water and I should show you some stuff. Can I show you your audience yeah, some things here? Sure. I would love right. that. So versus I love talking about this and it sounds very conspiratorial. Dr. Artist is chiropractor brought this attention to the world. Yeah, right. I'm about to show you evidence you can go find for yourself that this is what they're doing even our government is paying people since 1993 yeah they've been paying people to make a antiviral vaccine from king cobra venom and they gave a guy a patent for it 1993 is when they started paying these people to do it can i show you yeah there we go 
Let's share some screens here. Show how nefarious and evil these human beings are. Okay, can you see the screen? Yes. Great, I'm going to blow it up for us. All right, this is a guy named Paul F. Reed. You will see at the very top of this paragraph, it says Paul F. Reed is co-founder of Recepto Farm from 1999, 1996 to May of 2021, blah, blah, blah. Let's go to the blue part. This is his biography. So he owns a company called Recepto Farm. Dr. Reed, right before the blue part, you'll see from 1993 to 1996, Dr. Reed was employed by the United States Medical Research Institute for Infectious Diseases at Fort Detrick, Maryland. Under a grant from the National Research Council in Washington, D.C., under the grant, he was responsible for the expression, growing, and purification of a variety of neuroactive components from snake venom in bacteria and yeast systems and purification of this venom material with expansion to large-scale vaccine production. Wow. Uh, Seema, does, does, does this say small-scale vaccine production? Yeah. No, so they it says large. Oh, my gosh. So right. they figured it out since then, apparently. Yep. So 1993, the United States of America's government is paying with our tax dollars a guy at Fort Detrick, Maryland, to figure out he was responsible for taking this money we gave him to figure out how to express and grow snake venom neuroactive components of snake venom in bacteria and yeast systems, purify that material, which is venom, with expanding it to large-scale vaccine production. Why in the world do we need large-scale vaccine production for from snake venom? Why do we need vaccines made from snake venom? Why? Why is the government doing this and paying a guy since 1993 to do it? All right, so let's see. Does he own any patents like this? All right. Here's the patent, the United States Patent and Trademark Office. This is Recepto Farm, his company. The invention is credited to Lawrence Raymond and Paul F. Reed. The date right below Paul F. Reed's name is July 20th, 2010. Wow. So in 2010, he's awarded this patent. What is the patent for? Let's read. This is the summary. Detoxified cobra venom and its constituent neurotoxins have been reported to have potent antiviral activity. All right. Well, remember, this is 2010. What was our government paying him to do? Large-scale vaccine manufacturing for antivirals made from snake venom using bacteria and yeast to grow it. 2010, he's now secured a patent for King Cobra venom to be used as an antiviral agent. Listen to this. It Just read the blue part. It also has the potential application to act as a method to protect individuals from contagious infectious agents as a substitute for antiviral vaccines. Wow. Well, that's interesting. You know, I, I, I thought that we were in, injecting children from the day they're born with vaccines to prevent them from getting viruses in the future. What the government just awarded this guy a patent for? is King Cobra Venom being used as a substitute for antiviral vaccines. This is in 2010. How many, of, how many of you listening, watching, have actually analyzed hepatitis B virus vaccines for children, polio virus vaccines for children, flu shots for children since 2010 to look for Cobra Venom 
in those shots being the therapeutic. Wow. Anybody done that yet? No, none of you have done it, but you should start looking for it because these people are doing it. So, right, so let's look at this. All, all medications since 2010 are suspect. They are very suspect. All right. So what's the claim of Paul F. Reed with his Cobra venom being used as a antiviral vaccine? Here's the method. It says a method of treating the infection of an influenza virus in an animal subject, an animal. They're going to be treating influenza virus by administering to the subject, which supposedly is an animal. They're going to subject them to active oxidized alpha king cobra venom or alpha cobra toxin protein to treat an animal for the flu. Got it. How are they going to do it? It says here the method by which they're going to do it is to administer the cobra venom by subcutaneous or intramuscular injection. That's a shot, a vaccine. Okay, here we go. Look at this. The method of claim one, if you go back up to one, it says the method of treating infection of the flu in an animal. It says here the method of claim one is that the subject is a human. Now, I find this very interesting. They actually called you an animal in claim one. But by the animal subject, they actually mean it's a human. Isn't that funny? They view you as an animal, not a human. Isn't that weird? Claim number one is the subject is a human, but that's not what it says. It actually says in an animal subject, not a human subject, an animal subject. We're now farm animals, so that's why. So this is a human. They're going to be targeting. The method of claim one to treat cobra toxin isolated from the venom of Naja Kuthia, which is a type of king cobra. And then the next method is there's a protein from alpha cobra toxin isolated from the venom of another king cobra, a different king cobra, Naja Nivea. That's the two venoms of which ones they're going to be using. The present invention relates to a class of proteins and a method for stimulating the immune system, specific, especially to the prevention of viral diseases, influenza diseases, such as viral, bacterial, and parasitic infections through the stimulation of the immune system's reaction. Really, the reaction being the composition is comprised of a modified elapid venom. Elapid is a type of snake. King cobras and crates are elapid. Elapid venoms containing anti-cholinergic alpha neurotoxins. All right. They're basing this on research from like the 40s, or sorry, 1904, right above the blue part. You'll see referencing a study from 1904. The basis of Sanders' invention was the discovery that such neurotropic snake venom in an essentially non-toxic state, since when is venom not toxic, also, (laughs) also could block or interfere with invading pathogenic bacteria, viruses, or proteins with potentially deleterious functions this has been going on since 1904 so why Uh, why what's the purpose yeah here you go you ready here's the purpose why are we looking at snake venoms for this it's so weird all right so thus the snake venom used in producing the composition was a neurotoxic venom i.e that venom causes death through neuromuscular blockade can you believe they even say this We're going to use cobra venom to treat viral infections and make antiviral vaccines. And the type of venom we're going to use is neurotoxic, which by definition means causing death through neuromuscular blockade. I I don't think we should use a toxin to try to treat a virus. I don't know about you. Yeah, and they know this, that it's going to cause death. Exactly right. As the dosages of venom required to block the nerve cell receptors would have been far more than sufficient to quickly kill the patient. It was imperative that the venom be detoxified. 
The detoxified but undenatured venom was referred to as being neurotropic in nature. So why are you trying to make venom less toxic to be a therapeutic? Why don't you just study vitamin C or selenium or glutathione or vitamin D or zinc? Why are you trying to figure out how to make venom not as deadly as we know it is? It's the weirdest, most evil thing ever. When God put enmity between you and the serpent, you're supposed to leave it there. You're not supposed to be trying to take stuff the serpent makes and inject it inside of you. But this is important. This is important because in these patents and in these studies, they actually tell you how it is they attempt to detox venom before they inject it inside of you to make it less detrimental to you. This is important because all the mRNA injected patients right now for COVID-19, the people treating them should look at these things to try to detoxify more of the venom their body's now making. While various detoxification procedures were known then to the art such as treatment with formaldehyde, fluorescein dyes, ultraviolet light, ozone or heat. It was preferred that gentle oxygenation at relatively low temperatures be practiced. Although the particular detoxification procedure was not defined as critical. You don't have to do it. Sanders, from the research founded back in 1904 all the way to 1941, you're about to read, employed a modified detoxification procedure using hydrogen peroxide. Okay. If they're admitting to you now that they can use hydrogen peroxide to detoxify or make venom less toxic before they inject it inside of you, everyone who's had the venom injected inside of them should be taking advantage of ozone therapy, as you just read, ultraviolet light, hydrogen peroxide in the body, because they know it detoxifies venom. So why would we not put more of that or use those as treatments for people who are injured with these shots or who have gotten them? You should. They know it over time, or at least in labs, they can actually denature or make it less toxic, they say. Well, let's see if we can make it zero toxic and get it out of your body, well, in my it, opinion. it also said gentle uh, oxid, deoxid, what is it? Gentle, something with oxygen. Oxygen. So does that mean giving oxygen? Yep. Exactly right. That's the purpose of ozone therapy uh, and also uh, oxygen chambers. We've seen massive benefits of saturating the body with oxygen. I always wondered why they were trying to take away oxygen with their masks and stuff like that. Absolutely. They they know it actually accentuates venom. Yeah. So now it makes total sense because they didn't want you to breathe fresh air. Exactly right. Exactly right. So let's go here for just a second. I'm just going to show this to your audiences because people need to know this. It says here there's several techniques have been developed for modifying neurotoxins from snake venoms. These have included hydrogen peroxide, like we just mentioned, ozone therapy, performic acid, iodoacetamide, and iodoacetic acids. They are telling you these things we know modify, denature, and detoxify venoms. I only share this with the audiences because if somebody can get this information to chemists, nutraceutical designers, developers of products nutritionally, or medical doctors, they possibly know of elements or medications made from these things that would be beneficial to those who have been injected with venom because they know this is what denatures venom and modifies it. All right. So I want to come out of this. I just want you to know that this is what they're doing. They're actually creating venom 
Oh, this stuff is so this is so great. We should go over this. Log. I see you have like all right. So in this patent for Paul F. Reed's cobra toxin being used as a vaccine for viral infections. Cobra venoms are characterized by their neurotoxic activity, which is a result of one or more neurotoxins found within their venom. Alpha cobrotoxin, which was found in all COVID-19 patients and is the spike protein, one of them. Alpha cobrotoxin is an anticholinergic neurotoxin found in some cobra venoms. In their native state, they are an antagonist of the alpha nicotinic acetylcholine receptor. Other alpha neurotoxins have been isolated from related species of snakes and fish eating sea snails, cone snails, and the various ones they list there, Conos geographus, textilis, imperialis, and striatus are all cone snail venoms that were confirmed in the blood and in the poop of COVID-19 patients in Italy. They found wow. all of those alpha nicotinic acetylcholine receptor targeting venoms inside of COVID-19 patients. That's crazy. And you know, I think when I read that article, it was saying that our bodies actually produce those things from yep. the COVID whatever, yep. which cannot happen. It can, I mean, that's the narrative that they're putting out there that we somehow have similar enzymes that are being produced that are akin to all these toxins. Yeah, that's great. Now, right here, you'll see in this patent, this is from 2010. This is what I want to make sure everybody understands. This is in 2010. This guy, who has been paid by the government since 1993 to make King Cobra or snake venom vaccines for viruses, in his patent, it states right here, Cobra toxin and alpha bungarotoxin from the crate snake have the highest affinity for nicotine acetylcholine receptors containing the alpha 1 and 7 subunits. You know what's amazing about that? It says that was published in 1995 in that study. Wow. Do you know what the spike proteins of COVID were identified to be in China and in France of April of 2020? They said it was just two things, cobra toxin and bungarotoxin. That's actually what they found. The wow. exact same two they're talking about right here were the two spike protein venom peptides identified on the outside of SARS-CoV-2, supposedly. On the outside of the virus, when I say supposedly, uh, there, I'm not really sure there was a virus needed. They just are using venom. Yeah, I don't think there's any virus. I think the injection is the virus. Exactly right. It says here the toxicity of cobra toxin and crate venom called bungarotoxin. The toxicity of these molecules is based upon their relative affinity for the receptors called nicotine receptors. And that affinity is far exceeds that of acetylcholine. Now, this is important. People ask me all the time, if the venoms are targeting nicotine receptors, nicotine receptors fire with acetylcholine crossing from one neuron to the next cell. Well, it says here, once venom binds to those receptors, their affinity to be bound to those receptors, the venom, far exceeds that of acetylcholine. People ask me all the time, can we just simply supplement acetylcholine? Is it going to work? No. It says here that the venoms, their affinity for these nicotine receptors that control breathing and your heartbeat and your digestion and your testes and ovaries function, all of those receptors have a higher affinity to venom. If you supplement acetylcholine and there's venom on those receptors, it's not yeah. going to use it. The acetylcholine is just going to go right by it. It can't be utilized because venom's bound to it. This is important. 
Many studies since 1953, 1977, 1983, 1987, 1989, 1990 have demonstrated various methods for the chemical modification of king cobra venom called cobra toxin. Look how many decades that is. They just quoted four decades yeah, of research. Yeah, kill us for a while now. Yep. And it says here, this is accomplished by oxidation of the cobra toxin with substances such as hydrogen peroxide, formalin, and ozone, which results in an alteration in affinity for the acetylcholine receptor and a concomitant loss in toxicity. So they're saying we can make it less toxic using hydrogen peroxide. Uh, well, guess what? Everybody should be taking into their body right now. Hydrogen peroxide. Is that, if you want is there a way to do that? Like that is a. That. Yeah, you can ingest it or you can intravenously inject it. And IV infusion centers will do hydrogen peroxide infusions. I have medical doctors right now doing it every week. And it's actually saving their lives from the venom they've been poisoned with that are shutting down multiple organs. And this is not yeah. a joke. Let's read this in the patent. Cobra oh. venoms are relatively cheap, raw material source whose production can be scaled up to meet higher demands. Parenteral, oral and topical formulations of MN, which the next sentence, look down at the next sentence, it says MN means cobra venom, and MCTX, which is cobra toxin, have been described previously by the above identified authors. A couple key notes here. Cobra venoms are relatively cheap raw material source and can be scaled up to meet higher demands. And then it states, parenteral, oral, and topical formulations of king cobra venom can be used. Parenteral means in your eardrops, ears, eardrops. Oral means you can swallow the king cobra venom. Topical means you can rub it on your body and get the same effect of venom going into the body. All right, we'll come back in a minute. Okay, so we're back with Dr. Artis. He's going to be continuing with the article that uh, we were discussing last time about the government has been experimenting on trying to use a venom against its own people. Yeah, that's great. We'd love to continue this, uh, and thank you for having me back on. Well, thank uh, they, you. Yeah, so what we were showing you was, in the beginning part of this interview, was a patent secured by Paul F. Reed, who was paid for by our United States government to create antiviral vaccines from mass-produced king cobra venom called cobra toxin. And this was a patent that was secured in 2010. Paul F. Reed was paid for by grants from our United States uh, government, has been paid 1993 through 1996 to develop large-scale production of King Cobra Venom as an antiviral vaccine. And then he secured a patent for that technology he created in 2010. But what I want to do now is actually take you to the next research yeah. paper that helps to summarize why it is and what it is they've been doing for decades and why it is they keep looking at venom as a solution to handle viruses of any kind. Influenza, common yeah. cold viruses, why it is they're looking for venom to be used to treat HIV patients, why it is they're proposing to have of venom used for measles, which doesn't kill anybody. Why is it they're actually promoting venom to be used as an anti-parasitic drug when you already have hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin that handle that stuff? Why? Why do we need venom? And you, you said for large scale, so they planned it for the whole world population. As right. It seems to be going on now. And even your earlier article, they were doing the research on influenza. 
the common cold, whatever. So I don't even think they needed to invent COVID. They just were doing that. But the plan was if they had gotten their way, they could have just used it for influenza, seasonal flu too, and say, oh, we need it. So I'm still, you know, I don't understand why, 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 why. I just don't get it. Like why, especially it's been going on for decades. Well, I'm going to share with you a a new research study that I'm going to show that's new to your audiences, but it was actually published in 2017. So just five years ago and just three years before COVID was announced. Okay. So we'll share some screen here and we're going to explain to you in this study, it actually has it spelled out why they are proposing using venom as antivirals. Oh, so they answer for us. They actually are going to tell you. That's right. That's exactly right. So here we go. This is the study I'm going to show you. I'm going to hit play here. So this is the study. This is from 2017. You can see the date top left and the yeah. journal that it's found in. Journal of Venomous Animals and Toxins, including Tropical Diseases. Wow. The title of their article is antiviral activity of animal venom peptides and related compounds. Okay. Now the abstract you see on the screen is in a border, an orange border. At the beginning of every research study you ever look at online, they will have a summary at the top of the article called an abstract. That's just a summary for a quick look at what is this research paper about to talk about. And so let's look at what they are talking about. All right, here we go. Follow along with the blue highlighted sections. Hold on, my producer is texting. Hold on. I am on. Okay. All right, so here we go. Although a large number of compounds have been identified as inhibiting various viral infections and disease progression, it is urgent to achieve the discovery of more effective agents. Okay, so they are proposing and telling you that there are a number of compounds or drugs being used and identified as inhibiting viral infections, but it's urgent that we come up with new effective agents as antivirals because they don't have any good ones, obviously. Furthermore, proportionally to the great variety of diseases caused by viruses, very few viral vaccines are available. And not all are efficient. So they're claiming we don't have enough viral vaccines. There's very few of them. <laughs> and they're not, and not all of them are efficient anyway. Isn't this great? They're actually telling you that their own creations aren't efficient. So we got to go look for other things that are more efficient. All right, here we go. Thus, new antiviral substances obtained from natural products have been prospected, including those derived from animal or venomous animals. Venoms are complex mixtures of hundreds of molecules, mostly peptides, and present a large array of biological activities and evolved to putatively target the biochemical machinery, I have to move this, of different pathogens or host cellular structures. This review provides a panorama of peptides described from animal venoms and present that present antiviral activity, thereby reinforcing them as important tools 
for the development of new therapeutic drugs. So they're looking for venoms to make new antiviral drugs. If you look at the very bottom, it states the key words for everyone looking at this summary of this research paper. Before you read it, what we're going to be discussing in this paper is antiretroviral agents, which means anti-HIV agents, antiviral agents. We're going to talk about HIV. We're going to talk about scorpion venom. We're going to talk about snake venom. We're going to talk about amphibian venom. We're going to be looking at insect venoms and marine animal venom peptides. Peptides are venoms. So this is what the whole article in 2017 is about. And why are they talking about this? Because there are very few viral vaccines available that, and they are not all efficient. <laughs> so they are looking for venoms as a solution for a vaccine for viruses. 2017. Here we go. Here's the background. Considering them that most common pathologies or diseases in humans and other animals are cardiovascular and infectious diseases and cancer, infectious diseases being viruses also, these are among the leading causes of deaths for humans. There are more than 200 viruses that are known to cause human diseases. On the right, the very few antiviral drugs commercially available can induce severe and considerable adverse effects, especially to those patients receiving lifelong treatment for diseases such as HIV. Okay, are you getting how it is they're expressing why it is we're going to go look for new antiviral therapies? Because they're admitting viral vaccines don't work, they're not efficient, there's not enough of them. Now, and, and just to be clear, when they say there's not enough viral vaccines, when they say there are few viral vaccines, every single childhood vaccine that children now before the age of six get 72 shots of are all antiviral vaccines yet they say there's very few vaccines for viruses really everybody on the planet pretty much every year is being coerced and bullied to getting a flu vaccine there appears to be many of those available billions of them every year because they're injecting viral vaccines into people called the flu shot but right. the fact that they even admit this is ridiculous all right so Right now, they're not talking about vaccines. They're saying in this highlighted blue section of this study, the very few antiviral drugs commercially available to doctors to prescribe can induce severe and considerable adverse effects, especially to those patients receiving lifelong treatment for diseases like HIV. All these facts together have propelled the search for new antiviral drugs, particularly from natural products. What's a natural product? You're about to learn. As they <laughs> constitute more than 25% of the new drug prototypes approved in the last decades. Seema, this has been going on for decades. Decades. Well, they make it seem like it's all legit. That, right. oh, well, we have to get venom to do this. <laughs> so dumb. Particularly from natural products. As they constitute more than 25% of the new drug prototypes over the last several decades. Listen to that. A quarter of all drugs over the last several decades are coming from what they call natural products. What are natural products? They define it right here, the very next sentence. Among sources of natural products, animal venoms have revealed a great potential for drug discovery. They call animal venoms a natural substance. 
that they are going to look for a natural product for viruses. And then they claim, despite the harmful action mechanism of animal venoms, most of them have components holding potential medicinal properties to cure diseases. Isn't that amazing? Just because it's a poison. I mean, look at this statement right here. They even set up here. The few antiviral drugs commercially available can induce severe and considerable adverse effects. And then they state in the same paragraph, even though venoms have harmful actions mechanisms, most of them have components holding potential medicinal properties to cure diseases. Really? Really? Yeah, you just said... You with toxins. Yeah, That's you just said up top that commercially available antiviral drugs induce severe and considerable adverse effects. And then you're going to say we need to look at natural substances like animal venoms, even though they have harmful actions of mechanism. That's the same. You just said that's why you're looking for other things other than our drugs we're using is because they have horrible side effects. Now you're saying even though if snake venom has horrible side effects, it can provide medicinal properties. Such an oxymoron, don't you think? So ridiculous. All right, here we go. So this is this is continuing why it is they propose scientists and researchers and big pharma why they propose we should be making anti-vax antiviral vaccines viral drugs from venom. It is widely reported in the literature, widely reported, not smallly reported, widely all over the world in research papers in the literature. It is reported that animal venoms are rich sources of antimicrobial substances and contain a vast array of active biological compounds and their chemical structures. All right. They're telling you animal venoms, it is reported worldwide, can help us defeat bacterias, viruses, parasites, antimicrobial benefits. That's because it kills everything. So So here it is. Thus, antimicrobial peptides, abbreviated AMPs, antimicrobial venom peptides called AMPs, are a diversified group of peptides that exert essential function in the innate immune host response. When invaded by pathogenic organisms such as bacteria, fungi, and virus, are considered the first line of defense of, go to the bottom, many organisms including plants, insects, bacteria, vertebrates like you and i who have vertebrae all right here we go some peptides exhibit direct this is what they say what are the possible action mechanisms of antiviral compounds some venom peptides exhibit direct virucidal activity that means death of the virus like suicidal virucidal means the virus dies but the virus is not a living thing is it right it is not and even by definition, it's not a living thing. And then others, dist- other venoms, disturb attachment of virus particles to the cell membrane surface. In that Paul F. Reed patent, in fact, maybe I should just show you here. I want to. I want to make this very clear that you, we don't get this confused. It actually states here in this presentation. <laughs> I'm going to show you this. This is in the patent for the Cobra venom vaccines it shows here i'm going to blow this up so we can read it together recently mctx which is cobra toxin you'll see it at the very top left of the paragraph mctx is abbreviated for cobra toxin recently cobra toxin has been shown to inhibit the replication 
of the human immunodeficiency virus, the HIV virus, in blood in mono, mononuclear cells, suggesting the ability of the protein or venom to influence events within human cells. And I want to make this very clear. When they're doing venom research, this is what they know, this last sentence. The mechanism of action was unclear. They don't know why the venom had any impact on HIV. It was unclear, except to say that there is no direct effect on the virus. The venom doesn't do anything to the virus. You just said viruses isn't alive. You're right. It's not. Gosh, so it's not even for the virus, but they're just claiming all that other literature. That you're, look at, you're looking at the patent for King Cobra venom being used as an antiviral vaccine, a government awarded patent. And it says here that there was no direct effect on the virus and there is an event at the cell surface that renders the cell resistant to viral infection. All right, HIV, here's your cell. Here's your cell and the outside. This is your outside wall. Here comes HIV. HIV attaches to the cell and then moves inside the cell. What they admit right here is, as HIV is floating around out here, when venom hits it, it has no effect on the virus. However, it says here, there is an event at the cell surface where the venom will bind to the cell. And now the HIV floating around can't attach to the cell because there's venom on it. So what does the venom do to the cell, even though HIV can't penetrate? Venom destroys cells. Cell, right, so it kills the <laughs> person. That's right. so, so this is the proposal, Seema, of why it is they're doing research for with venom all around the world. It's because venom and viruses target the exact same outside of the cell receptor sites. Venom okay. targets it. And uh, the viruses target it. And the virus will target it. But if we can get venom on there first, <laughs> HIV can't get in. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. You, you can't get AIDS because the HIV patient died from venom poisoning. You know what I mean? Like, so dumb. Anyway, to me, it's just ridiculous. So I just want you to understand, this is how they propose and suggest that they believe venom is antiviral. It has no effect on a virus. As it just says here in this patent, they know that. It doesn't affect the virus. It gets on the outside of the cell, the venom does, and now HIV floating around can't get there. This is what they say is the benefit of using venom for the flu, How, why it's beneficial to use against herpes simplex virus. I'm going to show you this here in just a second. It's so crazy to me. Let's go back to what we were showing you with this other study. So are they doing this because they think it's all beneficial or are they doing this because they're trying to hurt the public? I think it's an outright attempt to two things, make a massive amount of money by using something they know is deadly and toxic and isolating it from a snake or another animal that makes venom and they can sell it in a drug form because you can't just make it on your own in a kitchen. You can't just milk your own snake and isolate this stuff unless you are Catalina Carrico or Drew Wiseman. Then you know how to do it because yeah. you have a whole lab at the University of Pennsylvania to do it. So right. they know we don't have the capacity to do this. So because they have the technician and the chemist to do all this stuff, to isolate the stuff, synthetically make it, put it into vaccines, they know they can sell it for a whole lot of money. Then number two, they know 
The overall goal is to reduce the population of the earth. How much more global warming crap can we listen to where we, the humans, are too many of us destroying the planet. The planet can't survive. We've got to reduce the population, create infertility, miscarriages, blah, blah, blah. By the way, in this study, I'm going to show you how they know they can use venoms as an antiviral vaccine and that the components of snake venom directly cause miscarriages of a human baby. It's in this paper. Wow. The side effect of these venoms that they're using as an antiviral vaccine. It actually says it. I'll show it to you. Yeah, right, I so was a Canadian study that, you know, they had so many number of increase in stillbirths uh, in Canada, and they were talking about how this potentially attacks their placenta because it has the same uh, protein like. So I don't know. It just seems crazy that they're doing all this and there's no way to stop it. Yeah, they continue to call a lot of people in this movement, waking people up. They call the vaccines a bioweapon. It is the oldest biological weapon on the planet that humans have used against other humans is venoms from snakes and venomous creatures. Yeah. It is the original biological weapon. Bioweapon means from nature. Weapon. <laughs> Venom <laughs> is a weapon in nature. They even call it in these studies a natural product. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, good job isolating venom from a snake and from scorpions and whatever else. Yeah, all around the world they gathered it. <laughs> so when I said that this study actually explains why does they think venom's a good idea for antiviral compounds, I'm just going to read this to you again. It says here, some animal venom peptides exhibit direct virucidal activity, death of the virus. I just showed you that king cobra venom has no effect on a virus. And then it says here that others, other venoms, disturb the attachment of virus particles to the cell membrane surface to interfere with the virus replication. Okay? This is what they're talking about. I just showed you in the patent from 2010 right. of cobra venom that there has no direct effect the venom on the cell or on the virus. It has an attachment at the cell membrane to keep HIV from getting inside the cell. It can't attach or dock. To those receptors this is what they're proposing is their reasoning for using venoms if you want to know the truth the historical definition of a virus in latin is venom a uh -huh. virus by definition is venom so now uh -huh. when you look at this it's like wait a minute are you just calling viruses viruses but you know they're venom and you're introducing them into people with these vaccine agendas or in the water or in the air how are you making people sick with this stuff you know it's venoms and you know they target the same receptors as venoms, this, I believe, is the play on words here, is that they're using one venom of a snake, cobra toxin or whatever, and they're going to bind that to a cell and say HIV now can't get there. Oh, yeah? You just got one venom to get there before the other one did? Well, that's <laughs> not very That's like saying the rattlesnake bit me, but I was protected by that venom from the king cobra that came five minutes later the king cobra <laughs> couldn't kill me because i already had rattlesnake venom in me i mean this is really what they're doing it's so dumb like it's so dumb so so evil in my opinion oh and yeah it's, completely it, evil. and then read this this is what drug manufacturers are paying scientists around the world to do and telling them why they're doing it because of the limited efficiency of commonly used drugs and emerging resistance of viruses, antiviral venom peptides may have the potential for development as putative therapeutic agents. 
So they continue to tell you that the virus vaccines they do have are inefficient. They continue to tell you that their commercially available drugs for viruses are dangerous and have toxic side effects. This is why we need to go look at animal venom peptides as the savior for viral infections. So the scientists that do all this stuff, they have to know. They can't all just be like buying into this just to get paid. You would think, but I think money drives it all, actually. Even the grants to the researchers to solely do this research for us, provide it back to us, keep it only in venom journals that most people aren't reading, except for snake venom researchers and pharmaceutical companies. And then it says here, in addition to the reduced market availability of medication, there's just not a lot available in the market. <laughs> the collateral effects and toxicity of synthetic antiviral drugs in a pill form have triggered an expanded search for natural compounds displaying antiviral actions. So there has been a pathetic, obviously, ability of the drug manufacturing world to create successful antiviral drugs. Up until this point, we suck at it. We don't know how to do it. They're all terrible. They don't work. Even our vaccines don't work. So we're going to pay people to go look for venom to be our antiviral yeah, savior Yeah, they didn't go after plants. They went after venomous stuff. That's incredible. Exactly right. Exactly right. Then it goes on to explain more, but you guys can read all this stuff. So at this step, it says, any potential antiviral candidate must compete for the cell receptor by inhibiting the virus attachment to the cell membrane, thereby aborting the viral infection. This is just another thing they're explaining why it is every venom they're looking at, they believe, can help stop viral infection. So if we get the flu inside of us, if we can just put enough snake venom into them, venom will bind to the cells of their lung. They won't develop pneumonia because the flu virus can't get in the cells of their lungs to create pneumonia because there's already venom there. Well, what does venom do to the lungs? It shreds the lungs and causes internal bleeding and death. That's what it does to lung tissue. However, <laughs> you didn't get pneumonia. Yeah, exactly. Well, we gave you this. I, I was just reading that one of the snake venom uh, actually creates a respiratory disease. So, <laughs> it, so how long does this last on your cell without killing you? So supposedly venom circulates in the human body or any mammal body after introduction, either by snake bite, injection of a cone snail, or a vaccine. It's going to stay in the body for up to 10 years. Unless you, unless you denature it or try to detoxify it out of you. How would you even know? Let's just say there's one thing that detoxifies all this. How would you even know that that's actually happening in your body? Yeah. Uh, the only way you would absolutely know is to be able to test your blood to find out do you have components in your blood that are strictly venom proteins. For example, you could run your blood test and see, do you have elevated phospholipase A2 in your blood, which is a real test you have done. That is a component of King Cobra venom found in all COVID-19 patients who died. That is a component of venom. And if you find that in the vaccinated people and it's still in there five years later, you still have snake venom inside of you. If you see elevated D-dimers, you have snake venom poisoning inside of you. That means you have blood clotting and look at medscape.com, a medical online journal just in 2019 published how medical doctors, what they should be looking for when you see elevated D-dimers. And it actually says snake venom poisoning. I mean, it actually says it in the medical literature. You need to go look for snake venom poisoning. The mRNA injections for COVID, a Dr. Charles Hoff in Canada 
said last summer when he ran D-dimer tests on all of his vaccinated patients for COVID, 60% of them had elevated D-dimers, which tells the doctor to go look for blood clotting occurring in the patient's body. The only reason cause agent for causing an increase in elevated D-dimers and blood clotting on Medscape.com, the only one of five bullet points that doctors need to go look for when you see this on a test, there's only one of the five that actually causes the blood clots described in the other four bullet points, and it is snake venom poisoning. So is it possible to become immune to it if you are with this stuff in your blood for a long time? To become immune to venom? Yeah, I mean, in a way, if they kind of inoculated you for all these different types of venoms, is it possible that your body just says, all right, we're getting hit, but we'll survive and become immune? We absolutely know the body creates a defense against the venom. It actually increases. And in this study, it says, we believe this is working to help us fight infections because when you introduce venom, you get elevated CD4 cell production. Well, that's an antibody that helps remove poisons and infections out of the body. Of course, you're going to make more of that. But CD4s also help target viruses. But if there's venom in the body, if you got bit by a snake, your body's going to produce a ton of CD4 cells to try to get the venom out of you to save your life. That does not mean it's going to help you get over a virus. If you just happen to have a common cold when you got bit by the snake. Oh, (laughs) how did you get over your cold so fast in 48 hours? Oh, I just got bit by a cobra. And man, all my symptoms went away. No, you're going to be dead on a respirator in a hospital because you can't breathe. That's what the venom did to you. But your cold disappeared. So dumb. It's so weird. It is so. Well, they shouldn't be doing absurd. this at all. This is to me, it's war against the people, and I, you know, you people have to be able to do something about it because they're not stopping. They did this. They're doing this in all drugs. So even if you're sick with something else, cancer, whatever, you, you go to these, you know, the doctors. If they're going to be using these same companies to produce all this stuff, and they think this is therapeutic for everything, then. It's not going to stop. They're just going to start infusing and killing people slowly. My only thing with all of this is that because they developed mRNA technology and the lipid nanoparticles that could be time-released, and I think from what they were using all these snake venom tests with the mRNAs to try to see if they can prevent the mRNA from degrading, so that means it can live longer in your body. And how Dr. Endy, you know, said that he saw particles that would germinate in the right conditions, whatever those right conditions are. So it could potentially live in your body, like you said, for 10 years or more, right? So yep. something my worry, my worry is Dr. Eric Embi's videos. Yeah. <laughs> What he's looking at, I believe, are, are snake venom organoids, the yeah. cells extracted from the venom gland of snakes that just sit there and generate and make more venom. And they know how to get those to make venom in vivo in someone's body in a Petri dish. It doesn't have to be connected to the snake. You just have to give it the right environment, pH, and it will just sit there and make more and more venom. And that's exactly what it looks like under the microscope in Dr. Eric N.B., out of Sweden, his video from the summer of 2021. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, between what your work has been and what his work, you know, I'm making the connection that all these people that are suddenly dying is actually 
the expression of those particles that Amen. somehow germinated and are producing that toxin at that moment because some of these snake venoms are very uh, fast acting to like paralyze and they don't actually tell you anything is wrong because it messes with your brain uh, nervous system receptors. So they could be dancing, doing whatever they're doing, and then all of a sudden, boom, because the poison just got released, and then within so many minutes, they're dead. Absolutely. And now, you know, the fact that it can live in your body for years, that means potentially it's a ticking time bomb at any time, yes. you know. So what do you think can, if I mean, like, since all these us as Americans, you know, we may have more access to certain tests and medical care and all of that. But I think all of these, the videos, especially that I saw, most of them were in Asia that people were keeling over. So what is an average man in an average place can do to detox themselves without requiring complex things? Is there a way to neutralize all the venom? Uh, yes, actually. Yep. Yeah, I'll tell you exactly what I would use. In fact, I can probably show you if you would like. Yeah. Let's see if I can pull this up here real quick. <laughs> so I'm going to pull this up here. Uh, inside of this article, actually inside this presentation, I have information for you. Hold on. I will help you. I have lots of presentations. All right. Here we go. You ready? <laughs> Yeah, this is awesome. Do you remember everybody getting the... Uh, yeah, what's the magnetic? Do you remember everybody getting magnetized with metal all over their body after getting the vaccine? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I just put this as, a, as a, a flag there. Inside of Catalina Carrico and Drew Wiseman's research papers, they kept saying that when they would use snake venom to do their mRNA therapy, they could actually further stabilize mRNA with dynabeads. And I was like, what in the world's Dynabeads? And this, I had to look it up, find out what it was. But Dynabeads are made by a company called Thermo Fisher Scientific. As you see on the screen, this is what it is. So Dynabeads are magnetic beads. They call them gentle, efficient separation of biological materials for when it matters most. These are <laughs> magnets. These are magnets. What do they look like? On the right. And this is from their website. It says, since the 1980s, in vitro gen Dynabeads technology has been pioneered magnetic separation of biological materials today dynabeads products support a staggering range of applications within the life sciences biotechnology and healthcare they continue to pro provide the most gentle and efficient separation they're all magnetized to the same polarity so they all repel each other so when they wrap mrna with nanoparticle hydrogel they infuse that with these dynabeads and when they inject you with Billions of these wrapped mRNA genetic sequences with these little bitty magnets. All the magnets then repel each other in your bloodstream to get in every single one of your organs, into your ovaries, testes, liver, kidneys, brain. It's to di these dynabeads are used to disperse genetic material throughout the body in vaccines. You mean the actual cells? They use them to accelerate the from the injection to the rest of your body. Exactly right. In fact, you'll see this term uh, underneath where they have the pictures of all the different kinds of dynabeads. If you look at A, look at A underneath, in a brief, you'll see it in parentheses, the A part of the description. It says, 
Dynabead's products are the most uniform, mono-dispersed, super paramagnetic beads. They're called super paramagnets. Para means around, but these are very powerful magnets that are wrapped around genetic material and injected into the human body to either deliver medicines, chemotherapy, viruses, venoms, whatever they're injecting inside of you. This is what they're doing. But this is why people were getting the magnetism around their body that you saw on social media after people got their shots. It's because of Dynabeads. And the people that work at Thermo Fisher Scientific must have been laughing their butt off when they were watching all these social media TikTok things, people putting spoons and all kinds of crap all over their body, coins, and it's just sticking. They knew what it was the whole time. They just didn't tell you. Does this degrade in your body at all to like clear it? Uh, I have no idea what happens with that. My big concern was what happens if you get into an MRI machine? Oh, yeah. If it's in your eye or anything, you know, it would just. I was wondering about that right away when, uh, when it came out a year or two ago with all those people that were magnetized to go in the MRI machines. But I haven't heard anything about any adverse events from those MRI testing, so it must not be that much. I uh, hope not. I actually did hear reports, though, that they were not allowing people for a certain period after getting the COVID-19 shots. They were not allowing yeah. them to do MRIs for a while. Well, that's good, at least, because that would be pretty scary, because it could stop your brain or your eyes or your heart instantaneously. You're exactly right. All right. So I want to continue this because you asked a question. I want to make sure for time's sake, we can give them an answer. Ready? So this is a study from August, 2011. This was done by Drew Wiseman and Cataline Carrico. They're the ones doing MRNA gene editing therapy who created the COVID-19 MRNA shots in their study from 2011 being paid for by Anthony Fauci in blue. It reads, RNA containing pseudouridine, that's the little symbol, was cleaved efficiently by RNase. Now, cleaved means to cut. So, RNA containing pseudouridine was cleaved or cut efficiently by RNase A, RNase H, RNase T1, RNase T2, nuclease P1, and snake venom phosphodiesterase. Okay, these are the people that created the mRNA COVID shots. Do you see the word snake venom in there? They are using snake venom in their research. I don't know if you know this, and your audiences should know, but every single one of those RNases, RNase 1, or sorry, RNase A, RNase H, RNase T1, RNase T2, RNase is a component of snake venom. All RNases are snake venom components that damage RNA. It destroys RNA. That's why they're using RNase to cut or damage your DNA to insert the mRNA they want to put into your DNA. They want to instruct your DNA to do something. Make venom. The only purpose for these snake uh, insertion, whatever the protein that they're doing, is to cut the DNA and insert the mRNA, right? Exactly right. So they were trying the other articles that I read. They were doing the study to see if it would degrade, the mRNA would degrade or not with the snake venom because they know they have to use snake venom to cut the DNA. Exactly right. In fact, in studies, in fact, I can show you a quote from 1978 of Catalina Carrico talking about in 1978, they figured out how to get RNAs, a, a, a component of venom, to not 
damage mRNA they were trying to insert inside of you. And they figured it out in 1978 that if they wrapped the mRNA with lipid nanoparticle hydrogel in 1978, 1978, she says, we learned in 1978 that if we wrapped mRNA with lipid nanoparticle hydrogel, that RNAs wouldn't destroy all of the mRNA. Okay. RNAs is a snake venom component that damages genetic material. They are trying to do gene editing therapy using components of venom. When I brought out to the world that these people in this study right here who created this study from 2011, Catalina Carrico and Drew Wiseman, when I found out that in their studies doing mRNA research, they use substances to damage DNA called snake venom phosphodiesterase. It's right there in their study. This is what they use, snake venom phosphodiesterase. I wanted to know more about that substance. Because they're using it to make COVID-19 shots. This is what they're doing. All right, so here we go. I went online to see, can I buy snake venom phosphodiesterase? Well, here's one company. I highlighted it in light blue right in the middle. It says snake venom phosphodiesterase. The same thing these people used in their research in 2011. There is snake venom phosphodiesterase in a purified, freeze-dried, powdered form called lyophilized. From Innovative Research for $133. You asked me a minute ago, what can we do to protect the people who have gotten the shots? Well, the shots use components of venoms as antiviral agents. This is supposedly protecting you from COVID, which supposedly was a virus. We just took you through a study and showed you they're studying viruses and drugs to treat viruses and vaccines for viruses using venoms. Well, these people have been using venoms for decades. You just didn't know that. Now you do because I showed you. All right. So what do they, when they sell snake venom phosphodiesterase, this manufacturer, Innovative Research, sells it for $133. Look at this. Same page. There is a descriptor. See at the bottom there? That mm -hmm. actually is the how to buy now. This is what you're going to be buying. Oh, whoops. It cool. says down here. Sorry, I'm trying to move my window with you on it so I can show. There we go. All right. So it says when you go to buy this substance, snake venom phosphodiesterase, it says it is inhibited, destroyed by reducing agents such as glutathione, cysteine, in acetylcysteine, and ascorbic acids. Do you know what ascorbic acid is, Seema? Vitamin C. Vitamin C. They just admitted. <laughs> that our snake venom phosphodiesterase that the people that made these shots use and disclose in their papers, they say it is inhibited or denatured or destroyed by reducing agents such as glutathione, N-acetylcysteine, and ascorbic acid vitamin C. But then these words are massively important. And so snake venom, wait, listen, snake venom phosphodiesterase is completely inhibited by five micromoles of EDTA. What is EDT it? EDTA, you can get in a supplement form online. Comes in a thousand milligrams per capsule. This substance, EDTA, is the most published natural destroyer of animal venoms, including snake venoms, in the human body since the 1970s. EDTA, everyone who's gotten these shots, anybody being shed on by these shots should be consuming every day 
supplemented EDTA to completely inhibit or destroy venom in their body, including this one type, snake venom phosphodiesterase. And then you should be supplementing 5,000 milligrams of vitamin C every day, N-acetylcysteine, 2,000 milligrams every day, glutathione, at least 500 milligrams to 1,000 milligrams every day. You should be supplementing those things because the people who manufacture snake venom phosphodiesterase that's used to do mRNA gene therapy in these shots, they disclose to the buyer. This is only for research purposes, by the way. They say you cannot mix this snake venom component with these four natural compounds because these natural compounds completely destroy it. So what so, should all of you be supplementing every day? <laughs> these all four. four. So what right. would the uh, glutathione and... Uh, glutathione? Yeah, like what in the natural form, what does it come in? Glutathione comes in... Oh, glutathione is actually made by your liver. It's a antioxidant that protects all cells from damage from viruses, venoms, poisons, uh, toxins, and you name it, artificial sweeteners. Uh, you have to physically buy that supplement, or can you take certain foods that contain it? Yes, yeah, so all green leafy vegetables, all of them, provide the minerals and vitamins your liver needs to make glutathione. So the more Brussels sprouts, the more broccoli sprouts, the more broccoli, asparagus, romaine lettuce that you eat, the more glutathione your body will make. It can only make it from that. I will tell you, though, there are some things I will tell you right now that I've actually done presentations on for my audiences and for the world, the liver will make glutathione at higher amounts. If you supplement N-acetylcysteine, which is one of them listed right there to 2000 milligrams of N-acetylcysteine or otherwise called NAC, NAC. I have it at my site, the doctor already showed you, you can get it there, but NAC and selenium, S-E-L-E-N-I-U-M is a mineral, 200 micrograms a day minimum. If you take N-acetylcysteine and supplement selenium at the same time and apple pectin powder, the liver, or just eat apples, your liver takes apple pectin, selenium, and NAC and manufactures a ton of glutathione. So most of my audiences do not supplement glutathione. They supplement NAC with vitamin C and with selenium. And then they also all supplement apple pectin powder. Why? Apple pectin helps to draw the poisons that are in the shots. Polyethylene glycol 2000 and polysorbate 80 are two chemicals in the COVID shots. They're only in the shots because they're proven chemicals to punch holes in the blood brain barrier so they can get their toxic components in the vaccine to your brain. Yeah, that That's the only reason why they're in there. So apple pectin powder binds to those chemicals and draws them out of your body as to not further damage to your blood brain barrier. And what is the EDTA? What is that exactly? Yeah. EDTA. I'll just show you here. You can, I will show you. See if this will come off here. Cause if they can find more stuff that's naturally, you know, within plants or not have to keep taking more crazy chemicals. You're absolutely right. So I'll just show you guys here. If you go here to, let's just go here. 
You just go to EDTA supplements. It's a long word that starts with an E, but there's all kinds of them. Unit shopping here. There's going to be tons of them. So it actually can be used and administered. EDTA can be administered in a liquid. It can be actually in a topical cream or lotion. There's one called Easy Detox. It's a cream you just put on your body and the body will absorb it. But uh, EDTA is a very common supplement. It typically comes in capsules of 1,000 milligrams. But these are just some examples down there at the bottom you'll see. EDTA. Okay. So it's, it has a proven track record of being safe. Absolutely. Yep. If you want to know what it stands for, this is what it stands for. Ethylene, diamine, tetraacetic acid. Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> so ethylene, so ethylene, diamine, tetraacetic acid. Yeah, that's what it is. EDTA so it, is much easier. It, it said in your last um, slide there, it said, uh, it's completely effective by using this, right? It, it is completely inhibited by EDTA. This is and completely inhibited by five milligrams of EDTA. So do you even need to use the earlier three? Yeah, you absolutely could put faith in just using EDTA. The glutathione, cysteine, and vitamin C are all partial inhibitors. Right. I would suggest putting as much as possible all things that are beneficial to the body to help denature and destroy venom as much as possible. Right. EDTA. Vitamin C, NAC, glutathione. Yes, you could just use EDTA, 2,000 milligrams a day. You could. I personally take all of them because right. I'm going to be shed on by everybody. They're going to keep trying to poison me with venoms, all <laughs> kinds of venoms. Just so you all know, it is not just snake venom phosphodiesterase, this component you see in this bottle. It is yeah. not the only venom component that's denatured by EDTA. All venoms are completely inhibited by EDTA. All of them. That's that's so. pretty good though, because they did stick like twenty or thirty different toxins in there. And if it's easily available, then most people can at least start on that. Yep. Um, and in this study where I show RNAs and snake venom phosphodiesterase and Catalin Carico and Drew Wiseman study, this study, when you go to the conclusions, I just want to show you, they tell you who's funding their research. Yeah, it's the yeah. National Institutes of Health, the NIH. Look at the bottom where it's highlighted. KK is Catalin Carico. DW is Drew Wiseman. It says they have formed a small biotech company called RNARX that receives funding from the NIH to explore the use of mRNA for gene therapy. I mean, that's all they've been doing this whole time. What do you think COVID-19 shots are? That's what they made. Now watch this. The guy who founded Moderna, look at this. July of 2021 in an interview, he's asked about his mRNA technology. Look what he writes. Yeah, to treat snake bites, crazy. So, I, I mean, okay, they're getting a lot of money, right? We know that, and they don't uh, seem to care about who they kill, but they must know now that people are visibly dying, right? So, how are they going to escape attention that they've just been poisoned? The whole world. Yep, very true. Yeah, how are they going to? How are they going to avoid that? Right. Well, I should wait. Let me show you something else here. We should just continue this topic. Ready? I have about 10 more minutes that I can do this. Ready? Yeah. Let's go back to our antiviral uh, study from 2017. We talked about the possible mechanisms of action. <laughs> That's what we're looking at here. But I want to show you this. We're going to go down here. 
what the first venoms they're going to talk about that they are looking for as a antiviral are scorpion venoms. You'll see it at the bottom, antiviral peptides obtained from animal venoms, scorpion yeah. venoms. So now we're into scorpion venoms. It says here, scorpion venoms have been exhaustively studied mainly due to the clinical effects after being bitten and injecting their venom in humans, which sometimes leads to death. Oh, we should look to make this a medicine because <laughs> it kills people. And then it says here, uh, paradoxically, biotechnological applications are devised by the increased understanding of the action mechanisms of venom components. And therefore, many, not a few, many research works deal with the generation of new drugs based on the structure and function of molecules found in these venoms. Not a few research works, many research works. Oh, yeah. They, it's so much. Even when I started doing research to write about it, it's incredible. And then it's just, they're all accepting this as if it's normal. Like it's therapeutic. The no Chinese, uh, they've been using this as traditional medicine for thousands of years. I want, so, I want you to read this one sentence here. 2017. Read it out loud to your audience. With the lipid increase in the number of characterized scorpion venom compounds, many new drug candidates have been identified as potential medicines to deal with emerging medical global threats, which would be COVID. <laughs> this is 2017. They said, with the rapid increase in the number of characterized scorpion venom compounds, many new drug candidates have been identified to deal with emerging medical global threats. Could you imagine in your wildest dreams, if you're at a medical conference with medical doctors and you said, everybody out there, there's going to be emerging viral global pandemics coming. <laughs> Raise your hand if you think we should use scorpion venom as the solution. Nobody would raise their hand. Nobody would raise their hand. They'd all be like, what the hell are they talking about? None of the medical doctors would know this stuff, but this is what they're doing. This is what pharmaceutical drug companies are investing in is venoms to address medical global threats. How do they handle medical global threats medically with vaccines? They are developing vaccines from venoms. This is what they're doing. The global threat for COVID were they promoting people to swallow a pill at home? No. Sit at home, get sick, go get remdesivir injected inside of you, or let us inject a vaccine inside of you. It was all about injecting something in you the whole time to handle this emerging medical global threat. So disgusting. But why didn't the doc if the doctors knew better, why would they allow this to happen? No kidding. Now let's look at this. I want to show the world this. This is scorpion peptides. This is in the study. And their derivatives with antiviral activity. The first scorpion listed is called Lycus mucronatus. If you go to the third column, they actually show which viruses they're studying to use scorpion venom to beat. SARS-CoV-1 so, SARS is number two. That is the number two listed one. Measles virus is the first one. The next one, H5N1, is the flu. <laughs> And then you get the HBV, that's hepatitis B virus. And then you see HIV. They're using one scorpion's venom's peptide called Macruporin M1, the second column, to beat measles, SARS-CoV-1, H5N1, HBV, and HIV-1. Uh, Seema, I want the world to look at something. 
This is published in 2017. In 2005 is when SARS happened. 2005, Anthony Fauci funded a study, and they found that one prescription medication had a 100% cure rate for SARS-CoV-1 in 2005. Do you know what drug that was? No. Hydroxychloroquine. In 2005, they knew that hydroxychloroquine 100% of the time beats SARS-CoV-1 and it stops the infection. I have a question for you, Seema. NIH knew that back in 2005 that hydroxychloroquine beats SARS-CoV-1. Why are they studying in 2017? Why are they looking at scorpion venom to be a solution to SARS-CoV-1? You already found hydroxychloroquine does it. Why are we looking at venom from a scorpion to treat SARS-CoV-1? Sounds absurd to me. You already found something that works and isn't detrimental. So dumb. I just want y'all to see it. This is what they're working on. Why is venom so important for them to, what are they trying to achieve? I mean, I, I get the deep population thing, but people are funding it. We as people are also giving them money and the government is publishing all of this stuff for many, many years. Anyone could have read it and sound the alarm all of these years. I'm trying to, cause no one else wants to, it appears we'll do it. No, okay. yeah, I think you will do it. Cause I, what I oh, don't will. get is like, where is all this going to lead now? Now that we have all of this information, what can we do? Yeah. Let me show you here. You ready? Well, I just showed you some things that detoxify and denature venom and everybody should be supplementing those things forevermore. Thank God they told us. <laughs> On the left here, this is two studies where they use snake venom to beat HIV. At the top, you'll see their dates are 2009 and 2013. At the bottom, in the antiviral study we were just looking at, they list out these five ophidians. Ophidians are snakes and their venoms used to treat viruses. The very first one is a snake called Trimerosaurus stegenegeri, whatever that is scientifically and Latin-wise. The peptide from its venom is called TSVLAO, and they have found that that's effective against HIV. However, that venom peptide, look all the way to the right at the top of that lower infographic next to HIV-1. Go right. It says syncytium formation inhibition. Do you know what syncytium formation inhibition is? All right. So I just want to, I want to remind people what we're looking at. This is a study from 2017 where they're talking about peptides, short proteins of various animals with venom. They are looking at a part of their venom and seeing, is it beneficial and does it have antiviral properties? And they're studying this one snake's venom here, TSVLAO peptide, and they said it's effective at blocking HIV from getting in the cell, but it also causes syncytium formation to be inhibited. Inhibited means it ain't growing, it ain't happening, it stops it. All right, this is very, very important. Do you, Sema, know what syncytium does? Nope. All right, very good. All right, so they are looking for antiviral vaccines to be made to handle emerging global medical threats <laughs> like COVID, and they're looking at venoms to be the solution to be injected into people. All right. Syncytium formation inhibition is a published side effect of snake venom. You're looking at it right there. When a woman gets pregnant, 
something has to be formed to stick the placenta to the uterus wall so the blood supply from the mom will give nutrients to its developing baby in the womb. That substance that sticks the placenta to the uterus for implantation to get pregnant and maintain a pregnancy uh-huh. is called syncytin. Uh-huh. This states syncytium formation is inhibited by venom. So uh, it's basically sterilizing or getting rid of the pregnancy, right? Yep. Syncytium is the Velcro that attaches the baby to the uterus. Oh, so they're killing the babies. And so all those stillbirths that were happening uh, and they were recording the rise and all of that is probably due to this. Uh, this is absolutely a published side effect of venom. They know it is, even when they're trying to explain its benefits for a viral outbreak like HIV. So if you have an HIV person who wants to get pregnant, this is not a joke. They're doing this research to figure out how does injecting venom into HIV patients, how does it affect their ability to give birth in the future? It just tells you right there, it destroys their ability to maintain a pregnancy. 84% worldwide right now of all COVID-19 vaccinated pregnant women lost their babies to miscarriages. Do you want to know why? Venom destroys syncytium. And syncytium is required for a baby to receive nourishment from the mother at the uterus. The moment that detaches. So is this only going to affect pregnant women and not like uh, women that have never uh, before they get pregnant? Like, is it possible to make them sterile so they never get pregnant? Yes, they know. They know all venoms target ovary eggs and also target and destroy sperm motility and formation. That's all published side effects of venoms. They know that. Perhaps the bigger picture here is that they were just really trying to figure out how to sterilize the population. Yep. So is there any legitimate uses for all the stuff that they are trying to decode and no, there's no positive benefit here. Everything is detrimental. I do want to show you this, though. When I said earlier, or I should have said it earlier in this, that uh, the Latin definition historically of venom, of virus is venom. Uh, I want I want you to see this statement in this study because they, they're telling you that's what they know it is. Ready? Do you yeah. see the blue highlighted uh, yeah. sentence here on this page? This is under snake venoms in that same research paper. It says that when they inject snake venom into somebody, they see a decrease in viral load, but an increase in CD4 cell count. We talked about this earlier, that there's a triggered immune response. There always is whenever poison is introduced into the body. But they say because they see increased CD4 counts when you inject venom, it's got to produce an antiviral effect because CD4 cells attack viruses. So it decreases the viral load after you inject them. It's so dumb. It's venom, man. It's deadly. It's poisonous. But look at the next sentence under there. I'll read it out loud. The authors suggest that this activity may be related to the presence of some snake venom molecules that are homologous to HIV glycoprotein. Glycoprotein is a spike protein. All right. So it says here that the authors of these research studies using venoms for antivirals, they say that this activity may be related to the presence of some snake venom molecules that are homologous to HIV-1 spike proteins. 
So, do you, do you know what the word homologous means? Similar, same. Similar or identical to. They just said here, the authors are suggesting that the benefits to the immune system probably are happening because some snake venom molecules are either identical or similar to HIV glycoprotein. I propose that they already know that these things are very identical or similar because they are. One is virus by name, that is venom. It's like saying uh, ketchup and someone going, that's not ketchup, it's smashed tomatoes. It's the <laughs> same thing. You just call it a different name or a word. I am proposing that they know. I mean, seriously, HIV came from monkeys, supposedly, a virus. Why would a monkey virus be identical or similar to snake venom molecules? They wouldn't. Why? They wouldn't. Unless they put them inside of you. I well, believe they are they injecting venom into people, calling them viral infections. So are they saying that HIV is really snake venom molecules? Yeah, they're saying it's almost identical to it. So guess what? What should they be treating HIV patients with? Anti-venom? Anti-venom? Anti <laughs> so when HIV, you know, all of that stuff came out, a few decades ago, could is it really possible they were just injecting people or getting infected with snake venom? Absolutely. Or the other way around that they uh, inserted snake um, HIV into snake venom. I don't know. I I, I'm I think they're just using venom and calling it viruses. And so, I think they have managed and learned how to get mammal cells to make venom when given the instruction. And it will make it look like it's a replicating virus in the human body. A replicating living thing. When in but fact, HIV is immune deficiency, meaning that their body can't fight off infections anymore. And that's Very true. they die from everything. Yep. So do you, if you're do, you know what, do you know what venom destroys in the immune system? What? I've had to learn all this. Venom targets first what's called alpha interferon. Do you know what alpha interferon does? I heard of it before, but I don't remember. Yeah, Alpha interferon, venom kills that. Alpha interferon is what signals to the rest of the body to produce anti-cancer components in the bloodstream called tumor necrotic factor, tumor death factor, and toll-like receptors to be turned on, which actually stop cancers from spreading. Venom destroys your immune system's ability to protect itself from future infections and cancers. That's what venom does. And this is why you're probably seeing massive amounts of metastatic cancers like Dr. Ryan Cole has been teaching everybody about after receiving the COVID-19 injections. They know this is what venom does. So are you saying that there's no such thing as HIV virus, but it's actually just snake venom? Uh, I'm going to say what they just said. <laughs> they just said that sentence. Some snake venom molecules are homologous to HIV. So how is it possible HIV is homologous, identical, similar to snake venom? I didn't have to say it. They said it. Well, I would treat it as if it's snake venom. And every HIV person should be on glutathione, NAC, selenium, vitamin C, and a whole bunch of EDTA. Why? They said it's homologous to it. Meaning if I treat it like I treat snake venom, it should make improvements. Also, I bet you if I dig into research studies on monoclonal antibodies and HIV, I bet it worked. Monoclonal antibodies are anti-venom therapy for snake bites. 
It also worked for every COVID-19 patient ever. Wouldn't it be amazing if they already know that that works for HIV patients and that's not a part of their protocol to help them? That would be really disgusting to find out. And I bet I will. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. So it's like multiple diseases that they're just been using a long time. I mean, look at this. I mean, you can see right here. Look, they are studying these. In this one study, they're sharing venom peptides from snakes. And in the middle of the bottom chart on the screen, it shows HIV is what they're researching to use venom from this one snake to beat HIV. And then the next one is dinghy virus. The next one is yellow fever virus, YFE, HIV again, dinghy virus, HIV. They are spending a ton of time researching snake venoms to treat HIV and flu and dengue virus and measles and herpes, all kinds of stuff. But do those diseases actually exist? Or are we just <laughs> looking at all of this just getting somehow infecting all people with snake molecules somehow? Yep. So I'm going to show you this and I'll tell you what I think they're doing because it's explained right here in this next next sentence. You see where it's highlighted in blue right above there is where it states the author suggested that some snake mo mo molecules are homologous to HIV. They're the same. Yeah. This homology, this homology, the similarity between HIV and snake venom occurs between the 30 and 40 highly conserved amino acid residues of snake venom neurotoxins. That's what it's similar to in HIV. This 30 to 40 highly conserved amino acids are identical to HIV. Isn't that wild? Snake venom neurotoxins are identical to HIV. It can't be. H HIV is the same thing as snake venom then. That's exactly right. That's exactly how it reads. And then it says, and then the sequence, 164 amino acids to 174 from other snake species are identical and as a, to HIV. As a result, the fact that snake venom molecules are identical to HIV as a result, both may compete for the same receptor or binding site and present anti-HIV activity. I just want you to understand this. It doesn't say that it does. It says, as a result, both may. They believe if they can put HIV into a person with a vaccine, like let's just say they can inject HIV inside of you, and then they can inject you on the other side of the body with venom from a snake. They said because they're so similar, we believe they may compete for the same receptor or binding site and, and prevent ant or present anti-HIV activity by preventing HIV to binding to the cell. Isn't that ridiculous? They're just using one venom or one virus, which is a venom in my opinion. They just are saying because they are identical and bind to the same receptors, if we can just put in the same amount of venom, maybe, maybe it says may, it may compete for the same receptor site. The truth is they don't know if it will do that. They're admitting it. It says it may. We don't know. It might. This might be how it's going to work. But here I they're, believe they're making it two separate. HIV is separate and distinct from snake venom, while earlier they said it's the same thing. Yep. And, and look at the next sentence. The sequence, similarity or identicalness between HIV and snake neurotoxins such as cobra venom, and bungarotoxin, which is Kate venom, the crate snake venom, that the similarity between HIV and these venoms is so similar that they actually have generated anti-HIV patents. What? Do you want to see them? Here they are. Take a picture. Go look them up. 
Modified venom and venom components as antiretroviral agents in 2005. And then modified venom and venom components as anti-HIV agents in 2006. They already have secured patents to create drugs to treat HIV patients with King Cobra venom and Crate venom because they say they're identical. We're so similar. We're going to treat HIV patients with venom. Oh, really? Uh, well, how'd the similar venom get into their body called HIV? I would like to know. How'd you get it there? Isn't that crazy? Well, I would like to know, too, and, because and I just, don't treating HIV with HIV. Yeah. Know? And, and just so you're aware, just so you know, what was the spike protein defined by the French researchers in 2020? Do you know? Nope. I'll show you here. Ready? It says on the screen, the sequence, the genetic similarity between HIV glycoprotein and snake neurotoxin, such as cobra toxin and bungrotoxin, had generated some antiretroviral patents. And I showed you the patents right here. Oh, right here. Crazy. Just so y'all know, the Reed P is a guy named Paul F. Reed. Remember the guy I showed you with the King Cobra Venom yeah. vaccine? That's the same guy. He, he was paid for by the government to make antiviral from venom vaccines. And these are his oh, other patents. Oh, they're just saying, man. I mean, they just get money and funding and patents. Right. Okay, so I want people to remember, look at these words. It says the sequence similarity between HIV and snake neurotoxins, such as these two venoms, cobra toxin and bungarotoxin. Remember that they're saying HIV's genetic similarity is to king cobra venom and crate venom called bungarotoxin. Can you remember the two words cobra toxin and bungarotoxin for me right now? Can you remember those? Cobra toxin and bungarotoxin. It states right here, and I just had an aha moment all of a sudden. It says here HIV. And its sequence of genetics of genetic makeup is similar to or identical to cobra toxin and bungarotoxin. And it's so similar it's led to patents to being created and awarded. I want to show you guys this. What are the two venoms? Cobra toxin and bungarotoxin. Watch this. This should flip your lid. I mean, I find it disgusting. All right, so HIV is similar to what? Cobra toxin and bungarotoxin. Here we go. Watch this. All right. QR code looks a little scary. Here we go. This is a, my COVID-19 presentation. The future of medicine. How genetic engineering will change us in the next century. This is January 11th, 1999. Look at, they're going to change our DNA to be serpent-like. To make venom. Uh, All right, here we go. So they're telling us what they're going to do. Look at this. British Medical Journal. Bottom left, you'll read the dates, 2021, last year. Or, yeah. yeah, last year. Snake bites and COVID-19, two health crises with one research and development opportunity for drug companies. <laughs> I didn't know snake bites and COVID-19 were identical. Amazing. I had no idea that they're just alike. Why are they alike? Because they both share venom. It's the only thing that's the same. Okay. Arizona publishes, like venom coursing through the body, researchers identify the mechanism driving COVID-19 mortality. Read the last part of the last subtitle sentence. It's an enzyme related to neurotoxins found in rattlesnake venom. <gasps> I didn't say it. They said it. Okay, great. We're going to keep going because I want to show you something. 
I asked you to remember that HIV is identical to what? Cobra toxin and bumerotoxin. Okay. Let's see why that's uh, important for you guys to look at. This is a study out of France in April of 2020. The title is at the bottom in black, a nicotine hypothesis for COVID-19 with preventative and therapeutic implications of nicotine. Ready? In this study, April of 2020, they actually, geneticists took the spike protein and they identified it to be two venoms. Ready to see it? You want to see it? You want to see it? (laughs) HIV is most similar to what? Cobra toxin and bungarotoxin. Well, these researchers here isolated the spike protein on SARS-CoV-2 and they said it looks like two snakes venoms. Look at this. You'll see it at the top. The first one is cobra toxin. You see it? Yeah. Look at the very bottom. SARS-CoV-2-S of the graphic. Yeah. SARS-CoV-2-S is the spike protein. They said they found it to be identical to cobra toxin and bungarotoxin. Now, let me just remind you of something here. I just showed you a study and it just hit me just now when I was doing this with you. It says that HIV is homologous to cobra toxin and bungarotoxin. Yep. That means the spike proteins, which are identified to be the lethal deadly part of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, When these researchers figured out that it's these two venom peptides, it looks like HIV is on the outside of the virus and that HIV is the spike proteins. Why? I just showed you the study. It says HIV and its glycoprotein, its spike protein, is identical, homologous to cobra toxin and bungarotoxin. The same two venom peptides the French researchers just said is the spike protein on SARS-CoV-2. And look at this. It says, look under figure 1A, one period. It says, these are the neurotoxin motifs. The amino acid sequence alignment of the motifs found in toxins from snakes of the cobra and the bungaroos genera is crate venom. And then there's three segments of the rabies virus strains in the spike protein from SARS-CoV-2. That means... It really could look like you could actually call these spike proteins HIV spike proteins. <laughs> I think they are because um, Deborah Burke, all of them were called in and they're specialized in HIV departments. In earlier articles that got banned, they were saying that people were testing positive for HIV tests. Yep. So isn't it all the same then? It looks like. Yep. I actually think it's all venom. I think they figured out how to use venom. To make spike proteins look, make it look like a respiratory virus. I think they have created viruses from venoms, calling them viruses, even though it's just venom. That's the historical definition. And most of these people living with lifelong viral conditions, they have either figured out how to instruct their bodies to make venom continuously to keep them sick. And then they're trying to figure out how to use other venoms to bind to the cells of those patients to keep the virus they already introduced and call HIV from getting into their cells and being genetically engineered to even be more so venom in their body to lead to eventually Uh, AIDS. So can this be made in aerosol form or now we're all thinking "Ah, it's in the shots. And if you avoid the shots, you can avoid getting poisoned, but you know, since they've been doing these studies for decades in all forms and now 
for the first time today, I learned it's the same thing as HIV, which are just snake venom molecules of some kind, right? Right. And that means they are possibly going to be extending this in a way that looks like normal influenza or viral attack or whatever. It actually could just all be venom. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so I really am going to have to get off in like 10 minutes. So let me show you this. You asked if it could be aerosol, aerosolized. Ready? Yeah. Uh, this is the study I mentioned from June of 2020 in Italy, where they found 36 different venoms in the blood, urine, and feces of COVID-19 patients. Here's the title of the article. Toxin-like peptides in plasma, urine, and fecal samples from COVID-19 patients. In this beginning of the study, the results you see at the bottom, they found toxin-like peptides almost identical homologous to toxic components of venoms from animals like conotoxins, phospholipases, phosphodiesterases. Now, SEMA, phosphodiesterases is the component I showed you of the bottle for $133. Yeah. That was snake venom phosphodiesterase. Zinc metal proteinases and bradykinins were identified. Those are all snake venom components. Were identified in samples from COVID-19 patients, but not in any of the control samples. What venoms did they find? These. Look all the way to the right you'll see the animal source of the venom. They found venom from the Malayan crate snake. The next one is the banded crate snake, the Uruguay coral snake, the Malayan spitting cobra snake, Chinese cobra. It just keeps going. There's actually 20 different- I all that in there. It's crazy. Yeah, they get all them in there. And then you look at the next list. It's Eastern brown snake, McClay's water snake, wherever that's from, Jiraka from Brazil, oscillated saw scaled viper, Korean slimosa snake. Keeps going. Cobra again. Elegant pit viper, habu, habu. Now you're going to get to shellfish venoms from creatures in the ocean. The pink one they found in the blood and feces of every COVID-19 patient. Deadly venom from the crown of thorn starfish. Which would be impossible and natural to be able to get infected with that. All those people in multiple cities in Italy must have went swimming in the ocean the exact same (laughs) spot. And then all went to Uruguay, Korea together and got bitten by all these snakes. And then... You'll see a list of what's called cone snail venoms, the mollusca. Those are mollusk in the ocean. Yeah. All the way to the right, you'll see California cone snail, California cone snail. There's 50, there's 16 total venomous creatures from the ocean that live in shells called shellfish creatures. 15 of them are cone snails. Here's the rest of them. These were all the venoms found in COVID-19 patients. Now, just mm-hmm. so you know, if you look to the left, you'll see protein name column. You see it? Yeah. Those are the individual components from that cone snail's venom that was isolated and found in the COVID-19 patients. Now, just so you know, I've done presentations with Dr. Jane Ruby. Every single one of these protein names by name, I can purchase online each of these individual components from suppliers of synthetic venoms all around the world. I can just type in, look at the very last one, conotoxin VI-15A. I can type that in to a company's website called gentar.com, G-E-N-T-A-U-R.com. I can type in, in their search to buy it, I can type in conotoxin VI-15A, and it will tell me, how much do you want to buy? Here's the price. This is who supplies it and manufactures it all around the world. You can, you can buy all of them. They're all available. You can buy them and get your powdered form at home, whatever you want to do with it. All of these can be purchased there. You asked, can this be aerosolized? This is the Department of Justice's logo. To the right, you see cone snails. 
These are cone snail venoms that they found in COVID-19 patients. I just wanted people to see what they look like. They're pretty little snail shells. <laughs> Here we go. Can they be aerosolized? This is on the United States Department of Justice. Conotoxins, potential weapons from the sea. Look at the date published, 2012. Ready? Mm. What are they concerned about, the Department of Justice? Conotoxins are a pharmacologically and chemically diverse group of toxins found in the venom of these snails. A number of species of cone snails, such as Conos geographus, are deadly to humans. That's interesting. Let's go back and look at something. Conos geographus. <laughs> well, look at the third Look at the third cone snail from the bottom. Look at where it's the blue area. See the number? 6491? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Next to it, it says Conos Geographus. Yeah. (laughs) That is the cone snail that the Department of Justice says here. You know, um, talking about that table that you just brought up. So all of those things were actually found in COVID-19 patients or did they match it against their database of all of those no they isolated these venom components you'll see the protein names to the left they found every single one of these proteins in the blood and feces of patients and then they ran it in a dna database to determine what's the source of the venom and then it populates which animal it directly comes from so how if they didn't think it was anything venomous related and it was just some virus why would they even think to look it up with their database yeah, as venoms be, yeah that's a great question so you see the word malayan crate top right that's a crate snake venom yeah that is a malaysia crate snake they stated that in china china said in january of 2020 that the crate snake is the origin source for COVID. So when they ran this test in Italy, they wanted to know, is the Chinese doctors right and scientists right? Is the French researchers right when they said crate venom and cobra venom are the spike proteins? So they were watching these other countries reporting their findings about the coronavirus. Then they wanted to know, well, let's go test all of our COVID-19 patients in Italy and see if there's actually venom in them. They had no no idea they were going to find this many venoms. They were just looking to see, is there cobra venom or crate venom in our citizens? Nope. There's 36 different venoms, including cobra venoms, multiple types of cobra venoms, and multiple types of crate venoms. Notice the first two are crates. Yeah. Banded crate, Malayan crate. That's what they found. These are all the different venoms they found in COVID-19 patients. So what did Italy do about this info? Now they, pub- they published it, and then the, the actual underwriter said, well, you have to change some of the wording. It took them a year and a half to get it published. You know what? how many lives could have been saved in the first year and a half if they would have published it and let them? All right, well, now, you a- yeah, now you <laughs> asked about these conotoxins. There's yeah. 15 different of these found in COVID-19 patients. The same one the United States Department of Justice says is deadly to humans. You're finding it eight years later in COVID-19 patients. Yeah. And then it says here, the most lethal effect of conotoxins to humans is muscle paralysis of the diaphragm causing respiratory arrest. Oh my God, what's COVID? Respiratory Uh arrest, hypoxia. This is what they found in COVID-19 patients. So here we go. Concerns in the homeland security field exist that certain conotoxins could be weaponized and used as an aerosol. You just asked me, can these be aerosolized? This is why I'm showing this to you. 
Well, if it's not stopped, I think that's the next step, right? Because. So here I go. You ready? The next sentence states in blue, conotoxins that are the highest at risk of terrorist use include alpha conotoxins. What was the first variant of COVID? Alpha. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The conotoxins at risk of terrorist use include alpha conotoxins, kappa conotoxins, and O conotoxins. Do you know what O stands for in the Greek alphabet? Uh, I'm guessing Omicron. I don't know. I'm going to show you. You ready? O-conotoxins, the Department of Justice said in 2012, we're worried could be used as a potential weapon and aerosolized on the world to cause respiratory arrest, diaphragm paralysis. Ready? Yeah. What does O mean? Look at O at the bottom. Oh, Omicron. How can you? O in the Greek alphabet is Omicron. Yeah. Well, oh my God, for a year and a half, all we keep hearing about is this Omicron variant of COVID. Oh my God, seriously? So it, then it looks like <laughs> that they actually use conotoxin for those first and last variant, right? It absolutely looks that way. Yep. In fact, the cobra toxin and crate venom, though, were also alpha uh, cobra toxins and alpha bungarotoxins. So these are all just variants of venoms that they're identifying and calling and naming after the Greek alphabet. So I just want you to know, yes, they are using venom all around the world to destroy, make us sick, and then try to convince you they can heal you. So what's the solution outside of us trying to dodge all these drugs? Because I don't think we're going to be able to. I think it'll just escalate from one thing to another thing, and we're all just going to be poisoned. That's exactly right. I experienced this from my last vaccine that I took to take some classes, and it knocked me out for more than two and a half years. I'm still struggling from it. So I know they've been monkeying around for a while. Um, But like knowing all of this research that you've done, is there any... Uh, governmental authority that's willing to do something about it, investigate. We'll find out. Well, we'll find out as I actually test injured vaccinated patients and go looking for these venoms in their body. The only way they would have gotten there was either vaccinated into them right before they had their injuries. If they're still alive, how can we save them? How can we actually get it out of them? And if we can confirm that, then we know Pfizer had venom in their shots. Moderna had venom in their shots and they never disclosed it. And then who's going to hold them accountable? Thank God. Hopefully somebody does. But I want y'all to see this. This is the World Economic Forum. You ever heard of them? Oh, yeah. All right. Read read their mission statement at the bottom. Committed to improving the state of the world and how they're committed. They're committed to improving the state of the world. I just showed you the Department of Justice's website's article right here from 2012. They're worried that deadly cone snail venom could be used as a potential bioterrorism weapon. 2012. This is 2015. This is still on the World Economic Forum's website. You ready? What are they committed to? Improving the state of the world. Great. Let's take a look at what they published in 2015 that's still on their website that they believe can improve the state of the world in 2015. Do you want to see it? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. How can killer snails improve the state of the world? They're devilish. This is date. Look at the date. September 11th, 2015. Not ironic that it's September 11th, 2015. All right. This is titled the fourth industrial revolution. 
They want to use killer snails to improve the state of the world. Oh my God, five years later, you're finding 15 different killer snails venoms in COVID-19 patients. Do you not follow what they're doing here, people? Yeah. This, this is the article. How can killer snails help improve the state of the world? Most people wouldn't think of snails as venomous creatures, but just like snakes, scorpions, and spiders, they have an extraordinary potential to contribute to medical science. What? You just said they're deadly. <laughs> Venom is potent, fast-acting, and extremely efficient. In short, it has all the makings of a successful drug. What? You got to be out of your mind. World Economic Forum. What does that have to do with <laughs> medical stuff anyway? You right. know? So, yep. Look at that. The venom of cone snails or killer snails, as I loving refer to them, allows these slow moving predators to feed on an agile prey by shutting down a fish's normal functions, preventing them from escaping. In my opinion, the World Economic Forum and the drug manufacturers of these vaccines and who's ever orchestrating this COVID 19 global takeover. They are wanting to prevent us, their victims, from escaping. They're going to use their own venom to prevent us from escaping and get us to inject it inside of ourselves. It's so ridiculous, so nefarious, so evil, in my opinion. Do not trust the World Economic Forum whatsoever. Uh, well, anyway. it also now concretely says that we're all victims. We're all genocide program right now. Yep. So did you learn anything? I learned a lot, Dr. Artis. You're always so much information. And, you know, I look to you for a lot of this stuff. Good. And I hope that, you know, your test stuff will be able to reveal something that we can yep. get this going. And you mentioned a while back that you were pursuing legal action and stuff like that. As What has happened with that? Yeah. So in September, we actually launched a, a lawsuit against three different hospital systems in Fresno, California, representing 14 different families who lost loved ones after verbally and in written form did not consent to remdesivir or the COVID-19 protocols. And they gave it to them anyway, and they died. Yeah. So we are suing those hospitals on that behalf. We're still waiting for the judge to actually award discovery for us to get all the documentation from the hospitals that they're refusing to release to the families. Once that happens, then we can actually start uh, seeking a grand jury uh, to actually hopefully hold these people accountable and these health systems accountable for their yeah. trust. Well, I hope that's super successful and get the ball rolling for all of these. People. Unfortunately, the legal system's never a, a quick thing. And in these kind of oh, suits, you're looking okay. at six to 18 months, typically, usually before it goes to trial. That sucks for the families. I hate it, but this is typical of the. Yeah. But at least you're starting it though. That's the whole thing. It's like exactly somebody right. has to actually sue the government and the biotech companies for doing all this. Oh, you're absolutely right. If we can prove there's a, if I can find somebody in a lab to help me confirm animal venom peptides are inside the shots, any of them, they're all yeah. going down. What about the shots themselves? Were you able to do any tests on them? Like we have, We've actually gotten those to a lab. They still have not been able to test those yet. They have hired chemists to help them figure out how to isolate venom peptides possibly in them. Yeah. But I have the shots. The labs have the shots. And I have other resources for the shots also. And one last question. The, the clots, you know, the things that Mike Adam uh, did the lab test on. Uh -huh. Are they actually able to test those and see what the fleshy stuff is made out of? Yes. I actually uh, told Mike Adams last week of a research paper I found from the 1940s that helps an individual or a medical professional identify 
whether a fibrous clot that has been found in a body was caused by snake venom or was a genetic predisposition to develop fibrin clots. And there's a solution that will completely dissolve a snake venom-induced fibrous clot, but will not affect a mammal-generated fibrous clot. So that's uh, it was a phenomenal thing. He had no idea this existed. He said he's got chemists that are going to help him do this. Uh, if, uh, if, if those things dissolve and we get this report, Mike Adams and I will be doing a follow-up interview this week or next to actually confirm those findings and discuss what that tells us. That would be awesome. Yep, well, awesome. I hope to, you know, and get something going after a yeah, year. Yeah, me too. And I uh, wish you the best of luck for everything. And I'm so grateful that you were able to give me all this information from my audience. And well. I wish you a happy new year and another great year for the rest of the year without getting infected with all this crazy stuff. Thank you, Seema. God bless you and your audience. You too. Have a great day. You bye. Too, bye.